My name is Brandon Protus, and I am a strategy director at Complete College America. Today on CCA on the Air, we are speaking with Carla Meebane. She is the assistant dean and director of the University of Missouri Kansas City High School and College Dual Credit Partnerships. She's also the member at large representative on the NASEP board, that's the National Alliance of Concurrent Enrollment Partnerships. And before we begin our conversation, I want to just give a quick caveat on terminology. Uh, We know that there are several dozen different terms that all describe what we're going to be talking about today, which is high school students taking college classes. So in the state that I'm from, we use the term concurrent enrollment, know where Carla is, they use the term dual credit. Uh, A lot of times you'll hear many variations on this. However, when we are talking, we're talking about high school students taking college classes, regardless of who the instructor is or where that's taking place. Sometimes we'll make those differentiations, but we don't want people getting caught up on the terminology, particularly if Carla and I are using different terminology terminology to describe the same thing. So with that, let's get started with Carla. Uh, Carla, one of the things that I'm really excited about and why we brought you on is at UMKC, you have a lot of different models that are serving local high schools, you're serving homeschoolers, you're serving international students who are living in different countries, you're working with students who are taking the college classes on the high school campus, you're also serving students who are coming to the university campus to take their classes. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the scope and the variety of your programs. Well, good afternoon, and thank you, Brandon. Um, I'm glad to be here. Uh, Yes, yes, UMKC has a lot of different or a variety of options for high school students that are interested in taking dual credit. And and the way I like to think about it, our, our buckets are so varied because students' needs are really varied. And not just our um, institution, but there are a lot of different variations out there. But in particular, um, we do service, like you said, the international students. Um, We have a program in Vietnam, Hong Kong, and China. And we've been working with them for about, uh, let's see, four or five years. And um, basically, they reached out to us because they were trying to um, create a path for their students to come to our university. And it was really nice because those students were in an American type school where everybody uh, spoke English. And so with that in mind, we were able to find ways to create some paths for them with with the gen eds. Um, And so they were able to start and uh, it's been a really good partnership. It's allowed me to travel places that I probably would have never gone. (laughs) And so with that one, uh, and we also have the basic traditional type of dual credit where yes, um, high school teacher is approved. Uh, Students are sitting in their classrooms and and they do very well because, of course, the comfort uh, that they have with their high school teacher. Um, Homeschool was a really unique opportunity. Um, I'm always trying to figure out how to get more students students involved. Um, And I was at the library one day and I saw homeschoolers and I was thinking, oh, and the more I found out about it, they were interested and had been looking for opportunities to offer dual credit. And there's a whole uh, realm of 
what high school students or dual or uh, homeschool students have to complete in order to get this certificate. And part of that had to come from outside um, sources. And so, of course, that we fit their, that that bill very nicely for them. And so we partnered with them. Uh, we had two students that finished at uh, the age of 17 and they have their associate's degree and they're now enrolled in four year institutions, um, not UMKC, but they were able to transfer all those credits and just start right up. So um, a lot of different varieties to meet the needs of students where they are. And that's the unique thing for me about dual credit. Now you brought up so many things that are interesting and we'll try to dissect this a little bit. So one of the things is great variety of students, yet somehow there's a core that remains the same, right? Mm -hmm. Can you talk about like, what is that core that unites all of this together that makes a program for high school students to take college classes? Like what's at the core of it? Oh goodness, Uh, organization. (laughs) I I think, um, and and understanding the needs um, for students, because when you think about high school students, some of them are more advanced, some of them um, want more opportunity, some of them are just you know, there. And what I have found is the students, for whatever reason, they just go through the motions of high school. But when you add dual credit, college credit in the mix, now they're thinking, oh boy, I'm, I'm doing some stuff. I'm excited, I'm motivated, and I want to do this. And so I think the motivation having the ability, having the access are those key things. And in a little bit, we're going to talk about some of the quality standards, what makes it a college class. But I want to zero in a little bit more about some of your local students. So you and I were talking about a Kaufman grant that you have about real, real world learning for students. Right. Um, I think students can, the idea is that can finish with at least nine credit hours and how you're offering that to students. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that or how you connect with your local community and who you're serving there. Yeah, sure. And again, I am doing a disclaimer. I don't work for Kaufman. And so I am not probably going to do the best, but I will give it a good shot here. Um, So I think it was a couple of years ago, Kaufman, we have a Kaufman Foundation here in Kansas City. And Kaufman is really interested in entrepreneurship and education. And so they began to partner with high schools for grants. And basically they, they, they determined that by 2030, all high school students across our region graduate with market value assets and a diploma, preparing them for future work and learning. So let me just tell you, this market value assets come into play with a couple different things. And of course, one is uh, work experiences, um, college credit, which, you know, ding, 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 that was a no brainer for me. Um, They do some regionally vetted um, things with the industry as well as entrepreneurship opportunities. But like I said, the college piece for me, the high schools were already offering it. So what they said was, yeah, this market value asset can be in several buckets, but If you focus on the college one, we want the students to have at least nine credit hours. So Kaufman is paying for these students to get these nine credit hours. So we work with the high schools in the partnership, um, do third party billing and students, as long as they meet the, um, you know, GPA, they're actually able to take as many classes as they want. You know, this might relate to my next question. 
um, you know, which is about the local makeup of your students there in Kansas City. But, you know, for people who are listening, they may not know this. So I'm a white man and you are a black woman. Mm -hmm. And this impacts the work that we do. So let's talk about race. Let's make it explicit and talk about how race impacts and makes us think about the importance of concurrent enrollment, um, specifically for communities of color. So how do you purposely reach out to the schools and to the students? So it's not just uh, an option or just a, a privilege for students, but it's a privilege on purpose that, yeah. you're, that you're actively directing. I know you and I have had lots of conversations about this and yeah. I'd love to hear you talk about that some more. Yeah, so again, um, you know, dual credit, and, and like I tell people, dual credit has been around since 1959. Of course, I wasn't introduced to it. And when I went to high school, I was in a predominantly white school and that school didn't see me. I was not blonde hair, I did not have blue eyes. And I wasn't, you know, a bad student. They just didn't approach me, my counselors. And so when you have this information, being a person of color, you, I feel like you automatically think about the broader scope of students, especially the students that look like you. And when you look out and you don't see those faces on the billboards and in um, places that, that we need to be represented, you automatically think about, okay, how can I make this a possibility for all students? Because I like to say there's nothing behind all. All means all. And so we know about institutions and we know about equitable practices, but the privilege on purpose for me is to ensure that I am looking at these high schools, I'm looking at their makeup and I'm saying, hey, how about some dual credit opportunities for your students? I know you have some students who could benefit from this. So I am doing this on purpose, privilege on purpose, and uh, just making sure that we provide access to all students in our local region. Yeah. You know, I appreciate that so much. So Complete College America definitely centers equity. So, you know, we are led by a black woman. We are predominantly black and it's not just the makeup, but I think that shows who we are. But in everything we do, we center equity. It's not an afterthought. I'm a white man, but it's still how do I utilize that privilege and leverage to make sure that equity is not the second or third thing down the list. But one of the primary things when we're looking at who is accessing concurrent enrollment, who's succeeding at, but then how are we explicitly making those connections to, so it's not just the students who we happen to get, the students who happen to walk through our doors, right? right? It, it doesn't work that way. We have to make those steps. Yeah, and, and you want to, and, and you know, Brandon, you know, the whole thing about, you know, the baby steps or the beginning when people said, well, I don't see color. And man, being a part of a 3% African-American black woman um, who has a doctorate degree, um, I heard that so many times. Um, I don't see color. And I used to always want to say, um, you probably need some glasses then. Because, you know, <laughs> and, and when you tell me that you're taking something away from me. So because here again, um, that look like me or people of color, the black and brown, then you're still not doing everything you can to ensure that we're preparing our next generation for the future. And to that point, we have to recognize the reality of where we are today. And if we're going to remedy that, then we have to take the specific steps to be able to remedy it. So who are the, what are the high schools that are being served and those that are being underserved and why? And then how do we make steps to be able to fix that and make that part of the goal? So the goal isn't just we want students to take college classes, but we want equity in 
representation of the students that are taking college classes because of what that means, not only for those students individually, but then collectively for a region and for a country as a whole. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that. And I also think, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about um, how to help our students. Um, a lot of our students in the, in the urban area of Kansas City, I mean, they struggle with reading. And, you know, reading has come and gone and we've done a lot of different things. And again, I think motivation, opportunity, ensuring that the opportunities are there for students helps. Um, reading, you know, giving them what they're motivated to read. You know, it, it's, it's just a lot of different pieces that when we work together, surely we can get this task done. Well, one of the things I like about concurrent enrollment it is students taking that real college class. And it's an intervention at the same time, particularly for first-generation students, students who might not have seen college in their future, who take a class on the high school campus that's a college class, and they succeed, and they realize that they can do it. And this kind of begs the question, and it's, it's what we referred to earlier, what's at the core of concurrent enrollment, is we say it's a college class. Now, for all transparency, I used to run a concurrent enrollment program, and I used to also be on the NASEP board where Carla and I worked together. Um, and so when I wrote, ran a program, I said, it's not good job as a high school student. It's not an equivalency of a college class. It is the actual college class. And that is a huge piece. That's, that's a vital important. So I was wondering if you could talk about what it means to have quality standards and why there's NASEP accreditation to show that that course that that high school student is taking is in every way the same course that any other college student would be taking. Could you talk about that? You know, I, I can a little bit. Um, I, I, I find myself using this, uh, asking this question quite a few times a day. Um, I think it's important to have the standards. Well, just because you, you got to have a, a frame, you have to have some structure. And the NASEP's 16 standards give you that frame and structure because according to the ones that have um, achieved that accredita accreditation are all abiding by the same rule of thumb. And so the neat thing about us is yes, our teachers are approved by the college. So you've got adjunct faculty. Now you may not call your high school teacher your adjunct faculty, but that's in essence what they are. They have the same syllabus. They have the same requirements, the same textbook, the same things that we're requiring on campus. And so, yes, this is what do we like to say, uh, dual credit is real college. And so, you know, we have the students enroll, uh, our students pay tuition on their own. We actually don't have, um, Missouri is not a state that pays the tuition for the students. Um, so the parents are actually paying these fees themselves. And, and part of that is helping parents because a lot of our students are first generation students their parents may not have gone to college, especially when we look at the uh, black and brown students. Again, this is something new. So again, being part of the community, looking like I look, saying, yes, your student can be successful and I'm gonna walk you through this process. I mean, just the whole college thing step-by-step step, because it's new and, and uh, they're benefiting from this. You know, you mentioned how they the instructors follow the same standards. In fact, in our program, we told our instructors who were also high school teachers, please put proudly on your resume yes. that you are a college adjunct faculty. And we had some that were hired for evening and summer courses because the course is the same. And when you go for accreditation and you have to show 
not only the assignments are the same, but here's a redacted assignment from a high school college student and a non-high school college student, and you don't know which is which, that the yeah. learning outcomes are the same. Mm-hmm. It takes away from, from the naysayers who say, this isn't really college when mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's no way other than to distinguish maybe physically where that class is being taught. Mm-hmm. And you know, the other piece is the transcript. The transcripts state, you know, math 125. They don't say, High school student took this during. Now, anybody that may be able to do math may say, oh, this student was in high school. But the transcript is it's an official college transcript that, that they get. And that speaks to the point about transfer, which is sometimes a question of, well, will these courses transfer? Yes. And for us, the answer is these are college courses. They're not distinguished on the transcript in any way that they're concurrent enrollment courses, because it's not with an asterisk. It's, this is the college course and they transfer in the same way as any other college course. And for us, when we had statewide articulation agreements, those courses fit in the exact same way. You know, Missouri has gone one step further with the articulation agreement. And there are a lot of courses that are guaranteed to transfer one-to-one. They're called Missouri uh, transfer credit. And say you take English, it doesn't matter where you go, public institution, of course, um, in Missouri, that English uh, composition course is guaranteed to transfer. And that has been a huge seller for high schools because, you know, kids feel like, you know, they take the class and then it's an elective and if they're going to transfer and they get caught up in something that nobody had anticipated. So Missouri has come up with that uh, Motran that would get a guarantee. You know, everybody likes a guarantee. So it's guaranteed to transfer. And what I appreciate I'm seeing in more and more states as concurrent enrollment or dual credit is more on folks' radar when they're talking guaranteed transfer. There's people at the table saying, and we need to ensure that these courses transfer in the same way and that they're marked in the same way. So it's not a a different tiered level. And again, I think that's also part of the accreditation process, which talks about how are students matriculated to your college or university? How are the courses transcripted? That's part of that quality assurance. Yeah, and, and another piece that I think just came out maybe last year with uh, the accreditation is the advising. And, you know, sometimes our students, you know, they're in high school and their their high school counselors are inundated with so many kids. And college is not really, you know, set up to do advising for high schoolers. So, again, as part of my role, I take that on because I have parents, um, you know, their kid may have missed an enrollment and uh, they were taking English 110, which is composition for us. And they've enrolled in a 214 or they missed enrollment for a 214 or a literature class. And, you know, they're yelling and screaming. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. It, tell me what your child's major is. And they'll say, oh, they want to be a forensic scientist or something. And I say, well, you know, maybe they don't need that literature class right now because that's not part of the um, program for the first forensic scientists. So again, I'm not trying to discourage them. I'm giving them some information that they obviously don't know. And advising is something to help students get on the right path without taking a bunch of classes that they're gonna find down the road. I didn't need that anyway. So again, not just with UMKC, but I think all institutions that are doing dual credit programs bear the brunt of ensuring that they are giving kids some some good advice. I think that's what I like is so when you think about the advising, so it's college advising that happens with concurrent enrollment or dual credit students. 
is you think about the non-academic pieces of college success. And this is where I was saying it's both you're taking a college class and it's an intervention of how are you learning those unwritten rules of college? And that's a big piece of of getting it out there in the same way as doing the professional development with the instructors. So it's that whole college experience. Yeah, yeah. And and Zoom, I mean, the pandemic, I mean, yeah, we don't like it, but it's opened up so many uh, opportunities to do things with the teachers now because, you know, you can just Zoom. Um, you know, you got 30 minutes, I'm going to train you, I'm going to do this. I mean, I couldn't go over to my uh, international partners and see them, but I got to see lots of people on Zoom this time. So it actually worked out really well. Now, Carla, you mentioned how dual credit has been around since 1959, and it's here to stay, but we can always do a better job at what we do. So how do you think we should move this program writ large forward to prepare students for their next step? Outside of needing more funding and resources, of course, um, you know, continuing to, oh, the, the digital divide, right? Because some students still don't have internet access at home. Some students don't have um, the, the, the laptops at home. So it, it, if we can get the funding, as the funding comes down, if we can get it out to where it needs to be, sometimes you know we have these boundaries and we may not even know what the boundaries are, but the more we can get these problems solved, we can do a better job. I mean, because programs like dual credit programs, they're available, students just can't access them. And I think that speaks to equity as well as who has access. So not just who are we reaching out to, who are we making sure that they are aware of and being invited, not just told about, but being invited and welcome. But there's the access point as well. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that we know is high school counselors are key. Now, concurrent enrollment is unique because it exists in this liminal space, which means it exists in and on both sides of the overlap between high school and college. And and that's kind of a unique space for colleges and universities. So I'm curious, what do you think is the role that high schools and that partnership between high schools and colleges play for both breaking down institutional barriers and creating opportunities for students? Yeah, so that space, there was a movie out called Interstellar. And it talked about the wormhole. And I always think about dual credit, our office as that wormhole, because if you think about it, the first thing that comes to my mind is the difference between high school and college is college moves so slow. High school is, is really quick. They're doing things, they're making decisions, but you know, we have to meet to meet and then we meet to meet again, right? And so the high schools are ready for us to rock and roll. And we're like, okay, but I gotta get one more meeting in. So in order to do that, for me, because I worked in K-12 and then I moved into higher ed, I have to time things just right. So I think part of it is knowing my expectations or the program director needs to know their time limits and their expectations and then and then set these windows that way you're not under the ball you're not over the ball you're not um like right now it's we're thinking about fall right because high schools are thinking about registration students are going to start enrolling college is doing summer so of course timing and and planning but that happens inside the dual credit program for me. Um, and then I direct everybody else on that, uh, on that balance beam. You know, what's nice about that is that's where we also see some of the vertical alignment. So 
those direct connections between high schools and colleges, not talking about what the other one wants, but actually doing that planning together as a single yeah. unit. Yeah. And, and when they don't know, that's the beauty that I can kind of say, OK, we're going to direct you, you know, or, or I need you to respond, um, you know, by a certain date. Deadlines for me have worked wonderful. <laughs> so I think, and you know, I talked about organization and really the more you're organized in your programs or you find programs in your states that are organized and possibly do have the accreditation, those are the programs that are, you're gonna get the best feedback because your department coordinators, liaisons, are talking to the high school teachers. They're talking to your department coordinators, your department directors, um, and your program directors. I mean, I may not see or know these people directly, but I can tell you exactly what's going on at what school, who's doing what. And to me, that's what makes the program successful. Everybody being on the, the same page, the similar page and knowing I'm not anybody's boss, but I need to work with you. You know, that whole um, power over under with. Yeah, it's, it's that it's that part. It's a partnership. It's a truly a partnership. Yeah. You know, there's something in, in your response that you reference also. And one of the things I like in Complete College America, we have different strategies under different pillars and concurrent enrollment is listed under the momentum pillar because it's really designed to get students an early start, get them on track and not the random acts of concurrent enrollment, but meaningful, purposeful uh, launching point for them to continue their college. So it's not just while they're in high school, but continue all the way through that college graduation, getting that first taste of it while they're in high school. Um, we're about to end, but I just want to see if you have any final thoughts. No, I, I just think, um, you know, thinking about this with the mar market value assets and the, the things that you all are doing, I mean, these are the things that are going to help the students have a better opportunity to flourish. And I think, you know, in the world we live in, we've got to get these kids up to speed, all kids, not just certain ones, but all students in order, because this is one world. We're all living in it together. Carla, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. I want to thank you for uh, being on today's episode of CCA on the Air. For our listeners out there, please be sure to go to completecollege.org, stay up to date with our latest webinar series, CCA Live, as well as the newest episodes coming forth on CCA on the air for our podcast. Great, and thank you very much. Thank you.